This is Finding Center, a daily half hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Becoming Our Best. David W. Hart, Associate Professor of Ethics and Public Management in the BYU Romney Institute of Public Management when this devotional address was given, will share his BYU devotional address entitled, Be Excellent, Becoming Who You Are in Today's World. When I was invited to speak, I immediately called my wife to share my concerns and doubts about this opportunity and seek her counsel and support. Her response was helpful. She said, of course you'll do it. You're in your 50s. That's what old people at BYU do. (laughs) With that qualification, I proceed. There is an ancient temple in Greece in some foothills near the ocean dedicated to the Greek god Apollo. Above the entrance of this temple, now referred to as the Oracle at Delphi, is the following well-known inscription, Know Thyself. This simple yet profound invitation reflects an important step in our progression as human beings. Like many societies, the Greeks were concerned with existential questions like what it means to be human. Some of the best thinking on this is captured in what I argue is one of the more significant non-scriptural books in Western literature. The philosopher Aristotle addressed these kinds of issues in an unfortunately titled book called The Nicomachean Ethics. In it, he asks the question, what does it mean to be fully human? Or as he puts it, what is the highest human good? He spends the first part of the book dismissing what the world tells us is important, such as wealth and pleasure. His conclusion? Our most fully human aspiration is personal excellence, or in his words, an activity of soul exhibiting excellence. The Greek term for excellence, arete, is an interesting one. Arete is the act of living up to one's potential, whether it's applied to a building, an animal, or a human. So the Greeks believed that all humans are born with innate potential, and our purpose in life is to figure out what that is and then act on it. This mindset is reflected in psychology as well. Many of you may be familiar with Abraham Maslow and his hierarchy of needs. While parts of his theory are problematic, he argues that the highest human need is self-actualization. According to Maslow, self-actualization is the need to realize our potential, our creative abilities, and basically to be the best person we are capable of becoming. In short, we need to be all that we can be. You're probably starting to see where I'm going with this. We are born with unique potential that we need to fulfill during our lives. The philosopher Charles Taylor emphasized this distinct and individual need. There is a certain way of being human that is my way and not an imitation of anyone else's life. Uh, But this notion gives us a new importance to being true to myself. If I am not, I miss what being human is for me. You have been blessed with a set of skills, abilities, and gifts that are unique to you and you alone. Furthermore, you have an obligation to find out what those are and then figure out how you can express them. In other words, how to imprint your uniqueness of self on the world. So a variety of philosophers, psychologists, and writers, among others, all tell us what has already been revealed through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that our main purpose here on earth is to become, to become our best, but more importantly, to become perfect, even like our Father in Heaven is perfect. This challenge is simple yet complex. We have to have a body. We need to keep the commandments. We need to fulfill certain ordinances. But along with these amazing opportunities, we also have an obligation to take full advantage of our experience here on earth. What are your unique gifts? Are you fully developing them? Are you being all you can be? 
what does that even mean? Am I trying to put pressure on you to succeed in a world today where you are under unprecedented amounts of stress? The answer is no and yes. No, I'm not trying to stress you out even more. To the contrary, my goal today is to provide some direction so that you can find your singular way through the world. But yes, I do want to encourage you to be true to yourself, your God-given potential, and be excellent. But what in the world did Aristotle mean by an activity of soul exhibiting excellence? What does it mean to be all you can be? Let me provide a quick example. Aaron Shami is a student in our executive MPA program, and 15 years ago, he was one of the premier speed climbers in the world. Speed climbers compete by scaling climbing walls as quickly as possible. It is a demanding sport, and to be the best, you must be an elite athlete. It takes a tremendous amount of talent, effort, and time to be a world champion at just about anything. At the age of 18, Aaron was an X Games champion, gold medalist, but he was also self-actualizing. These periods of self-fulfillment and personal excellence can be transformational. As Aaron said, it was just complete exhilaration and I was hooked from day one. Rock climbing became such a foundation, a base of who I am as a person. Aaron is one of the lucky ones who found his niche where he was allowed to grow, be challenged, and realize his potential. But sports is an easy example. Personal excellence can be found in many parts of our lives. For example, until recently, I was the director of the MPA program here on campus. I was consistently struck at how many of our students and alumni were drawn to the program by a deeply intrinsic pull. A common story often conveyed is that someone heard about the MPA program through a poster or a friend or relative, and once they learned more, angels started singing, meaning the idea of the public service was resounding on a profoundly personal level. For certain people, careers in the public and nonprofit service will allow them to fulfill their professional potential. But the MPA is clearly not meant for everybody, just like speed climbing or being a concert violinist is not. That's part of the beauty of our Heavenly Father's plan. We are all unique beings, but we all need to find a way to imprint our uniqueness in some way on the world around us. Many of you are at a point in your lives where these questions are particularly salient. I hope you all recognize the sacredness of these decisions. Many of you are not only deciding what you will be spending most of your waking hours doing, but also how you will do it. It is likely an exciting, anxiety-inducing time. While some of you will be blessed with having your calling in life laid out clearly before you, others will not. If not, your challenge is to discover the set of gifts that are, that are distinctly yours and find ways to give expression to them. So while I strongly encourage all of you to seek fulfilling career options, I also strongly encourage you to remember that there are multiple and sometimes subtle ways to fulfill your potential as one of Heavenly Father's children. It can come from a, your job, a church calling, raising a family, volunteering in your community, or even something as unusual as becoming a freestyle canoeer. A key message from today's devotional is this. Personal excellence is not about being the best, but being your best at whatever you choose to do. And why are you obligated to be the best you can be? Philosophers would tell us that it's the ultimate purpose of our existence, the highest human good. Psychologists would tell us that not fulfilling our highest human needs creates any number of forms of alienation, all of which are unhealthy. Sports coaches tell us that potential just means we haven't done anything yet. And finally, the gospel tells us that we are here to develop and become like our Father in heaven. Furthermore, the scriptures state that unto whom much is given, much is required, and we all have been given much. 
All these perspectives lead to the conclusion that in order to be healthy and happy in this life and the next, we need to fully develop ourselves. Finding and pursuing your unique excellence is an introspective and reflective process that should be guided by the Spirit. It is not a free ticket to be irresponsible and selfish. The world would have us believe that finding yourself is a self-centered journey without consequence. You do not want to rely on what the world tells you that you should do with your life. Your potential is yours alone, and it is your sacred obligation to figure out what that is and to pursue it. While there is no blueprint for success in finding and fulfilling your potential, the first step is to know thyself. I would like to offer five suggestions that may help you on your way. I start with practical advice and progress to gospel-centered principles that can provide personal insight and put you in a position to find your excellence and also take full advantage of life's opportunities. First, the practical advice. Be engaged. The short answer to being engaged means giving your whole and best self to whatever you are doing. This may sound similar to the tired cliché of giving 100% in whatever you do, but it's more substantial than that. Let me explain. The first step to being engaged is to be fully present in whatever demands your attention. Give your total effort and attention to whatever you are doing. Even if it's a dumb homework assignment, a boring conversation with a friend, or a mind-numbing, soul-sucking job, it's in your interest to be fully engaged and give your best effort. Why? Because it's great practice. Being engaged puts you in tune with yourself. The less engaged you are in life, the less in touch you will be with your potential. Being engaged will teach you a lot about yourself, your interests, and where you can pursue your excellence. While you anxiously engage in what you are doing, I also encourage you to seek out opportunities for deeper, more meaningful levels of engagement. The ideal form of engagement is a state of total immersion in a task that is challenging yet closely matched to your abilities. When this happens, we often lose self-consciousness. In sports, it's sometimes called being in the zone, while some some social scientists call it flow because it often feels like effortless movement. It can happen with physical activities, creative activities, spiritual activities, or even in meaningful interactions with others. I often find this state of immersion when I am deep at work in research, or in a particularly good day of class, or preparing for devotionals, or serving others, or even when skiing. Remember, however, that the most meaningful, fully human activities almost always involve betterment, making the people and environment around us better in some way. Experiencing what some call flow is critical in discovering your excellence because it's at these moments that you are likely tapping into your distinct talents and abilities. As you become aware of these moments, start searching for patterns and match them up with a humble and accurate assessment of yourself and the practical possibilities that they present. It will help you along a path toward finding additional opportunities for personal growth, flow, and ultimately fulfilling your potential. My second suggestion in discovering your personal excellence is to increase your self-awareness. In short, you have to know who you are before you can figure out what you are going to do with yourself. Unfortunately, you face some challenging obstacles in this process. We live in a world of unprecedented distraction. With the advent of technology and the explosion of media in its wake, we live in an extraordinary time where we have nearly unlimited access to information, entertainment, and other people. It is truly a blessing, but it can also be a curse. As the author Michael Harris recently put it, As we embrace technology's gifts, we usually fail to consider what they ask of us in return. 
the subtle, hardly noticeable payments we make in exchange for their marvelous service. So what exactly are we giving up when we submerge into our phones or other devices? What are we being drawn away from? This author argues that we give up absence or lack. As he puts it, quote, The daydreaming silences in our lives are filled. The burning solitudes are extinguished, end quote. We are giving up those vital, empty moments where we often and unintentionally learn about ourselves, receive spiritual promptings and other insights that only come in the space of absence from the noise in our lives. A final comment from Harris explains why this is so troublesome. Quote, We need absences in order to think and see for ourselves. Indeed, the kinds of thoughts that present themselves in our emptiest moments, the moments when we stare out the train's windows or hover on a lawn and monitor the sky, are the only thoughts that can deliver a strange new understanding. End quote. The strange new understanding, as it relates here, regards insights of self-awareness or a better understanding of who we are as individuals. My suggestion to you is to build absence into your lives. Set aside times to unplug, remove distraction, and let your mind wander. As an avid consumer of technology, this has been understandably challenging for me. I'm a runner and have always listened to music to help pass the time. A year or so ago, I decided to run every other time without music. It was an embarrassingly painful process. But it has been surprisingly liberating. Some of my best insights about myself, my work, and personal revelation have come while I was running and not thinking about anything in particular. I urge you to follow the advice of Marcus Aurelius, who offered the following counsel. Allow yourself a space of quiet wherein you can add to your knowledge of the good and learn to curb your restlessness. Build spaces of quiet into your lives, be patient, and I think you will be surprised by the results. My third suggestion to you is to be awful, or put another way, be full of awe. (laughs) Make a a conscious effort to find awe and wonder in the small and ordinary of everyday life. As an example from an unimportant aspect of life, I love running in the mountains because I find so much awe in the beauty of nature. While it's easy to be blown away by a beautiful overlook, I find equal wonder in a sweet sweet stretch of single track, the bend of a creek, or by the sound of my feet crunching on a rocky trail. As a professor, it's just as easy to find awe in the contribution of students in a great class discussion or in a particularly good passage of writing. My favorite awe, however, is watching my boys grow up and be strong in the gospel. Along these lines, I would further submit that you find awe in the spiritual side of what you do. Earnestly seek to see and appreciate the Lord's hand in your life, because it's everywhere around you. It's easy to see the Lord's handiwork in nature, but I challenge you to search for the same kind of awe in all the Lord's creations, whether it be in the people that you interact with at school or work, or even in the more menial tasks that we do every day. All of us here are tremendously blessed in ways we may not fully realize, and we all benefit even more when we recognize the Lord's influence in our lives. The point here is that in today's world, it's tougher and tougher to be awed by ordinary things. Make an extra effort to find awe in the everyday aspects of your lives and take a moment to say, wow, because in so doing, your senses will be heightened and in turn will will reveal more about you and opportunities for you to apply your uniqueness. My fourth suggestion to you on your quest for knowing yourself and your unique excellence is to be selfless. As I mentioned earlier, Uh, The world would have us think that finding who you are in this life is an intensely selfish journey where your personal happiness trumps everything. 
The irony of this attitude is that it is just the opposite that not only leads to personal happiness, but also reveals a lot about who we are as individuals. The gospel of Jesus Christ is completely grounded in selflessness. The atonement of our Savior was the ultimate act of selflessness. The Lord voluntarily took upon Himself the sins of the world so that we can return to the presence of our Heavenly Father. The basic principles of the Church here on the earth today are also grounded in selflessness. Some of those principles include preaching the gospel, building up our fellow saints, temple work, and caring for the needy. All of these at their, ba- at their very base require selflessness on our part. And we all know that when we do these things, we are happiest and at our best. A quick example from a recent prophet illustrates this point. Several years ago, the Church produced a documentary on the prophet Gordon B. Hinckley. One part focused on his time as a missionary. President Hinckley describes how, like many of us, he struggled with homesickness and his effectiveness as a missionary. He sent a letter home where he shared his doubts and discouragement. His father sent a brief letter in return that said, I have only one suggestion. Forget yourself and go to work. The next day in scripture study, Elder Hinckley happened to read a powerful message in Luke chapter 9. I'd like to read verses 23 and 24. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake the same shall save it. It may seem counterintuitive to some that you find yourself when you lose yourself. While these verses are laden with meaning, the relevance here is twofold. First, forget yourself and go to work. Throw yourself into whatever you are doing. The less time we spend pacing up and down within the cell of our circumstance, to borrow a phrase from Elder Maxwell, the more likely it is that we will find meaning in what we are doing. President Hinckley blossomed as a missionary shortly after committing to lose himself in the work. In fact, he states that it was a life-changing moment. Second, selflessness keeps us grounded as we seek to find and exercise our personal excellence. If one were to get too caught up in finding his or her potential, it could be easy to become self-absorbed and put important relationships in jeopardy. Returning for a moment to the speed climber Aaron Shammy, He states that one of the reasons he left competitive climbing was because he saw that to continue to be the best, he would risk sacrificing family relationships and other critical priorities. The Lord challenges us to lose ourselves so that we can have the attitudes that will keep us grounded, humble, and open to learning. In in losing ourselves, we learn about ourselves, and and that insight provides invaluable perspective in finding our excellence. My final suggestion is to be compassionate. Several years ago, my wife Lisa and I attended a regional conference where where Elder Robert D. Hale spoke. He spent an hour talking about a single scripture in the book of Jude. Verse 22 simply reads, And of some have compassion, making a difference. He noted that there are two essential parts to compassion, feeling and doing. These are both very relevant to the topic at hand. Feeling is the capacity to capacity to feel what others feel. This is also known as empathy. The economist Adam Smith gave a great definition several hundred years ago. A person must endeavor as much as he can to put himself in the situation of the other and to bring home to himself every little circumstance of distress which can possibly occur to the sufferer. This is perhaps best demonstrated in the most compassionate person in the most compassionate act. One of the key actions of the Atonement was Christ's suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
It was there that he suffered through every feeling and every situation. Because of that, Christ is truly the most compassionate being because he can actually relate to every possible circumstance we encounter. By extension, a critical part of our development is learning to have empathy, to feel. But true compassion does not stop there. Doing means actually acting on those feelings. Not coincidentally, the best model again is our Savior. A classic but common example is found in John 11 when Christ raises Lazarus from the dead. He comes to the grieving family, and when he sees their grief, verse 33 tells us that he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He also wept with the family. He was feeling. And then he acted. He asked to be taken to Lazarus and with great faith raised him from the dead. There are myriad examples like this in the scriptures. Being dialed into your feelings of empathy and acting on them is also necessary in finding your excellence. Compassion is an indispensable part of your personal growth that will, will reveal much about your distinct set of skills and what types of situations will allow you to better the people and environment around you. In conclusion, recognize that as a child of your Father in Heaven, you have been given a unique set of skills, talents, abilities, and gifts, and that you have an obligation to develop them so that you can bless the lives of those around you. For most of us, however, finding our excellence and acting on it doesn't just happen. It needs to be a thoughtful, systematic process. If you follow the suggestions I have offered and combine it with earnest prayer and pondering, it can provide you with the insight needed to see where and possibly how you can maximize your potential and leave your indelible mark in the world. If you don't know thyself and act on it, you will not be taking advantage of those sacred gifts. The philosopher Thomas Hobbes said, Hell is when the man that is comes face to face with the man that might have been. I think all of us would like to avoid that realization. So engage life, create time for absence, find reasons to say, wow, selflessly serve others with love and compassion, and you will learn a lot about yourself and of the gifts that have been bestowed upon you. Finally, remember the words of superhero philosopher Peter Parker in the first Spider-Man movie, that with great power comes great responsibility. What is that responsibility? It is not just to act, but to find out what is uniquely yours and give expression to it. Spend your time here at BYU learning about who you really are and preparing yourselves to have an impact on the world. Then go and do. Be excellent and make a difference. I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Becoming Our Best. David W. Hart gave his talk entitled Be Excellent, Becoming Who You Are in Today's World. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.